Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of oxygen hemoglobin dissociation curve from the respiratory section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a discussion about the oxygen hemoglobin dissociation curve. This curve is sigmoidal in shape and is characteristic of positive cooperativity. It represents the fact that binding of one oxygen molecule to one subunit of deoxyhemoglobin increases affinity of oxygen in the adjacent subunits. The P50 is the PO2 at which hemoglobin is 50% saturated. As the P50 increases, there is a decreased hemoglobin affinity for oxygen. Note that 50% saturation is achieved at higher than normal P50. As the P50 decreases, there is an increased hemoglobin affinity for oxygen. Note that 50% saturation is achieved at lower than normal P50. Let's now discuss loading and unloading of oxygen. In the lungs, the PaO2 is approximately 100 millimeters of mercury. The hemoglobin percent saturation is approximately 100%. This facilitates maximal O2 loading into the arterial blood in the lungs. In peripheral tissues, the PVO2 is approximately 40 millimeters of mercury. The hemoglobin percent saturation is approximately 75%. This facilitates O2 unloading into the peripheral tissues. Let's now discuss the concept of shift to the right. In terms of the mechanism, as there is an increase in P50, there is a decrease in hemoglobin affinity for oxygen. This increases O2 unloading. The first cause of shift to the right is an increase in PCO2 and a decrease in pH, or the Bohr effect. This involves an increase in PCO2, which results in an increase in H+, and a decrease in pH. The equation is as follows. CO2 plus H2O yields H2CO3, which yields H+, plus HCO3, where CO2 is carbon dioxide, H2O is water, and HCO3 is bicarbonate. Note that when there is an increase in PCO2, the equilibrium reaction shifts to the right. This is known as the Le Chatelier's principle. Another cause of shift to the right is when an increase in CO2 and an increase in H binds hemoglobin and stabilizes low oxygen affinity in the T or TOT state. A decrease in hemoglobin affinity for oxygen leads to an increase in oxygen unloading. An example of this is when exercise leads to an increase in PCO2 and a decrease in pH, whereby increased O2 unloading ensures that the O2 delivery meets the O2 demand in the skeletal muscle. An increase in temperature can also cause a shift to the right, whereby increased tissue metabolism increases the temperature. Another cause of shift to the right is an increase in 2,3-bisphosphoglycerate or 2,3-BPG. A cause of this is high altitude, where hypoxemia increases the synthesis of 2,3-BPG. This is also seen in heart failure, anemia, morbid obesity, etc. 2,3-BPG binds hemoglobin and stabilizes low oxygen affinity in the T or TOT state. A decrease in hemoglobin affinity for oxygen increases oxygen unloading. Let's now discuss the concept of shift to the left. In terms of the mechanism, a decrease in P50 causes an increase in hemoglobin affinity for oxygen, which results in decreased oxygen unloading. A cause of this is a decrease in PCO2 and an increase in pH, known as the Bohr effect. This involves a decrease in PCO2, which yields decreased H+, and an increase in pH. 
a decrease in CO2 and a decrease in H+, stabilizes the high oxygen affinity in the R or relaxed state. An increase in hemoglobin affinity for oxygen causes an increase in oxygen loading. Conversely, an increase in oxygen decreases the hemoglobin affinity for CO2 and hydrogen known as the Haldane effect. Another cause of shift to the left is a decrease in temperature. A decrease in tissue metabolism causes a decrease in temperature. Another cause of shift to the left is a decrease in 2,3-bisphosphoglycerate or 2,3-BPG. And the final cause of shift to the left is hemoglobin F, which is fetal hemoglobin. In fetal hemoglobin, there are two alpha subunits and two gamma subunits, known as alpha-2, gamma-2. This has an increased affinity for oxygen and a decreased affinity for 2,3-BPG. Fetal hemoglobin facilitates O2 delivery from the mother to the fetus. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over one question to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. A 67-year-old male is brought in by EMS after being found unconscious on the first floor of a burning building. On exam, his respiratory rate is 14 breaths per minute with scattered wheezes. He has no evidence of any burns, but dark suit is caked around much of his face. Suspecting inhalation injury, you expect this man's oxygen hemoglobin curve will be which of the following? 1. Unchanged due to the fact that carbon monoxide is largely unbound and dissolved in plasma. 2. Shifted right due to strong competition between carbon monoxide and oxygen for binding. 3. Shifted left due to carbon monoxide binding. 4. Shifted left due to metabolic acidosis in tissues or 5, shifted right due to decreased affinity for oxygen. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 3, shifted left due to carbon monoxide binding. The patient's clinical presentation is consistent with carbon monoxide poisoning, which causes oxygen hemoglobin curve to shift to the left due to tighter heme-oxygen binding. Remember, carbon monoxide poisoning may be caused by inhaled smoke, motor vehicle fumes, or furnace emissions. Carbon monoxide has 200 to 250 times greater affinity for hemoglobin than oxygen, so the vast majority of heme in the blood quickly becomes bound by carbon monoxide. Importantly, carbon monoxide binding to heme increases the heme affinity for oxygen at the other three oxygen binding sites. This leads to decreased oxygen unloading at the tissue level, resulting in tissue hypoxia. Because a given oxyhemoglobin concentration saturation can therefore be reached at a lower partial pressure of oxygen, the oxygen hemoglobin curve is shifted to the left. Let's now review two citations related to this topic. In the first citation, Ernst and Zebrock discuss recognition and prevention of carbon monoxide poisoning. They note that symptoms of carbon monoxide poisoning are often nonspecific and they include tachycardia, tachypnea, nausea, vomiting, and headache. The classical signs of retinal hemorrhages and cherry red lips are rarely seen and their absence should not rule out carbon monoxide poisoning. The workup includes measuring carbon monoxide in exhaled air and measuring carboxyhemoglobin concentration in the blood. Treatment involves removing the patient from the exposure situation and administering oxygen. In the second citation, Henry et al. performed a prospective cohort study to evaluate myocardial injury in patients admitted to the hospital with carbon monoxide poisoning. 
They found that 37% of patients had concurrent myocardial injury and that those with injury had a 23% increased mortality rate over the study period. They conclude that myocardial injury is a strong negative prognostic factor in patients with carbon monoxide poisoning. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1 is incorrect because carbon monoxide predominantly binds hemoglobin and less than 1% of the absorbed gas is found in solution. Answer choice 2 is incorrect because though carbon monoxide and oxygen compete for heme binding, the curve is shifted to the left because of increased affinity of hemoglobin for oxygen at sites not bound to carbon monoxide. Answer choice 4 is incorrect because metabolic acidosis causes the dissociation curve to shift to the right, not to the left. And finally, answer choice 5 is incorrect because carbon monoxide poisoning actually causes greater heme affinity for oxygen, shifting the curve to the left. And that's all for this review about the oxygen hemoglobin dissociation curve. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.